Hey everybody, today's episode of Shoppernomics is brought to you by the Neuromarketing Science and Business Association, the only association for those with a professional interest in neuromarketing. Visit www.nmsba.com for events and membership details. And Decision Breakers, experts in behavior-based shopper strategy, insights, and activation. Email pmcgee at decisionbreakers.com to see how they can help you win your war in-store. Welcome to Shoppernomics, the podcast for marketing and insight professionals who want to stay current on the latest understanding of consumer behavior and decision-making. My name is Phil McGee, and I'm speaking today with Paul Spector, Distinguished Professor in the Department of Psychology and Executive DBA Program at the University of South Florida. I saw a paper that Paul co-authored titled, What is Engagement and How Do We Measure It? Toward a Domain-Independent Definition and Scale and wanted to speak with him to learn more about it because engagement, and I'm using air quotes when I say engagement, is a term we use quite often in marketing, and I think we take for granted what exactly engagement is, why it's important, how we can stimulate it, and how to measure it. In fact, after reading Paul's paper, I learned that engagement is not a single event or phenomenon. Rather, it spans multiple dimensions and multiple time horizons, all of which we'll discuss in today's episode. Paul's work opened my thinking to engagement, and I thought he can do the same for this audience. So, Paul, without further ado, welcome to Shoppernomics. Thank you for having me. Uh, our pleasure to have you. Um, thanks for joining us. So, I'm afraid my introduction may have fallen short on letting folks know enough about you. Um, would you mind telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Sure. I'm a professor uh, in the psychology department at the University of South Florida. This is my 38th year there. Uh, I teach um, industrial organizational psychology, which is really the human side of organizations. I also teach in the Mooma College of Business uh, executive doctor of business administration students. Now, I generally study uh, workplace behavior. I study a lot of different aspects of it. Uh, mainly, I study the bad things that people do at work and the bad things that happen to them. So if someone might be assaulted at work or, um, or in some way be under stress, uh, those are the sorts of things that I study. Mm. Um, recently, um, I got involved in this project um, that produced the engagement uh, paper and, and an engagement line of research. And this is something I've been doing with, uh, with colleagues in the business school. So the particular project started uh, as a uh, public-private partnership between the Mooma College of Business and a company uh, called OnQ. OnQ has developed a platform to uh, display um, videos and other content on a website, and it allows for various uh, social features, commenting, emojis, and so on. But they've done it in a unique way. Um, they uh, decided to partner with USF. They funded a, uh, a postdoc, Stephanie Andell, who's led a project uh, doing research on their platform. Uh, other members of the group are uh, G.J. DeVrita, Traparna DeVrita, Balaji Padmanabhan, and Vivek Singh. And uh, the six of us have been working for uh, now almost two years. One of the things we got into uh, with um, a video platform is learning on, uh, on as you watch videos that are instructional. 
And so that got us into looking at social features. And from social features, we realized uh, that this had a big implication for engagement. And engagement is very important in learning situations. So it's important uh, if you're watching just a single instructional video, if you're taking a course, if you're doing an entire curriculum. And from engagement in a learning situation, we began thinking more broadly about engagement with work, engagement in a marketing situation. Um, And that's where we are now, thinking about engagement in a very broad sense, in that you can be engaged in almost any activity, and we're looking at the uh, advantages of engagement and what might drive engagement. Mm. Really, really cool. And so, so, Paul, the individuals that you mentioned uh, earlier, were those the co-authors on the paper? Yes. Okay, great. Um, so, um, you know, thank you for uh, acknowledging them. Um, and then the, the other thing that you mentioned was the partnership with OnQ. Um, and, and, you know, when you mentioned that, I think that's, I, I'm just really happy that you did because it's, it's a, another great example of when companies and academic institutions partner together for, um, you know, for some learning, which is objective, doesn't carry necessarily a business agenda. Uh, it's, it's really for the advancement of human knowledge. Um, and, and it sounds like, you know, here's an example of a partnership that worked out really well. Yes, it, it does. Uh, we've done quite a few projects uh, and uh, we've, we've presented quite a few papers. And I like to think that the company has gotten some really good um, information. It's helping them in terms of, uh, of how to design their product, how to use the product, how to market the product. And so I think in the long term, both sides are really going to benefit from this. That's great. So you, so you partially answered my first question, which, which was going to be, you know, what's the background for the paper and why did you choose to explore engagement? Um, you know, obviously, engagement is, is of, of core interest to you and, and what, you, uh, you know, what you study. But in this instance, you know, you set out to engage, uh, define uh, engagement. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, why, why did you feel the need to do that? Or, or why did you, you know, have the desire to do that? Engagement basically has to do with how involved someone is in an activity, uh, you know, how motivated they are to pursue that activity, um, and a lot of different aspects to it. When we looked at the literature, we found that there were different components. Um, they're not always defined in exactly the same way, and there's often some uh, some fuzziness about what they what they really are. Um, we uh, focused on three different aspects of engagement. Mm-hmm. First is what's called F, the effective component. This is really how you feel about something. Uh, do you like it? Do you not like it? Are you satisfied? Are you dissatisfied? Uh, in a marketing setting, you might think about customer satisfaction, uh, feelings of loyalty to a product or toward a company. There's behavior, which is really just the sorts of things people do. It's their effort that they put in. Um, if you're thinking about a, a learning situation, it's how much effort the, the student might put into a course. Do they attend class? Do they read the materials? Do they study? And finally, there's the cognitive. This one's a little, a little more difficult to get a hold of because this really has to do with how um, much mental effort a person makes how absorbed they might be in an activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're talking about uh, the workplace, an engaged employee may come to work, get totally 
involved in what they're doing. They're only concentrating on the task. They're they're not paying attention to much of anything else. And all three of these really work together in in creating engagement for a person. And um, that engagement can be really in any activity or any domain. So that that's neat. So th- these are what you call the um, the ABCs of engagement: uh, affective, behavioral, and cognitive. Absolutely. And, yeah, and I really like that. So this is one of the things. Um, one, one of the at least a couple of things that that appealed to me about this paper is the way that you dimensionalized your definition of engagement. Um, you know that it that it's, uh, it's it's really about the triad of how people feel, how they think, and how they behave, um, and and that all of those things constitute engagement. Because because um, as I said in, as I said in the introduction, I don't know that we really think about it that much to really kind of break it down to its individual components. Um, and you've done that. You've done that really nicely. Um, so, but but one question I have because I I wasn't I wasn't um, Sure, just based on the way the paper was written, maybe it was uh, discussed. But I'm curious, are all three of these, um, all three of the ABCs, required to be present for engagement to occur? That's a good question. Um, they do tend to be related, but uh, you know, I, I suppose you could say total engagement would involve all three. Mm-hmm. But you could be behaviorally engaged uh, without really necessarily feeling good about something. Mm. So you could have, um, maybe you're getting paid really well to do your job. Mm-hmm. And while you may not really like the job, um, you still get, are pretty engaged in it. Uh, the job is important to you. Um, you know, maybe it's giving you a good paycheck that you couldn't get somewhere else. And so behaviorally, you may be very engaged. Cognitively, you may be very engaged, even though you may not be so um, effectively engaged. Mm. Interesting. It, I guess it also gets into the measurement of, of engagement that it's 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 not you know completely observational, right? You can you can observe behavioral engagement, um, but not cognitive or or affective, um, uh, you know, en- engagement. And so um, you know it, it it kind of sets up a challenge on how exactly you measure that, which which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, are are one of these ABCs affective behavioral or cognitive? more important than another, uh, meaning, for example, let's say if I'm a marketer and, and I subscribe to the theory that consumers buy more on emotions than on rational evaluations, uh, can I expect to get more bang for my buck by trying to engage consumers effectively versus cognitively? That's a good question. I think the bottom line is the behavior hmm. because hmm. ultimately you want people to buy the product. So oh. behavior is, is sort of number one. Right. Um, if you can get them to, to buy the product without being effectively engaged, um, you know, you're probably going to be happy. But I think that in the long run, if you can develop the affective and cognitive engagement as well, mm-hmm. um, you'll be better off because perhaps you can get someone to buy your product because, um, you know, because of uh, low price or something else about it. Right. It doesn't make them love the product. Um, maybe they're not so cognitively engaged. And, but in the long run, I think if you can develop the affective and cognitive engagement, um, you know, it'll help drive the behavior. Right, um, right, right. And, and um, so, so I, I mean, you're right. At the end of the day, it's about the behavior. Are we, are, we, are we driving it or not? And I think by looking at transactional data, then, yes, we can see that behavior is occurring, but we also don't understand the underlying um, you know, kind of affective and cognitive um, 
dimensions that went into that behavior. So, so hence the need for other forms of measurement. Um, so, you know, in defining engagement, you also said, uh, and here I'm going to quote your paper, you said, engagement can be viewed in terms of being a short-term, medium-term, or a long-term phenomenon. Uh, this length of time can range from minutes to days to a lifetime of the relationship. And I really like this notion of engagement's duration because, you know, we're often keenly focused on whether consumers are engaged with our messaging or our products kind of in the moment and not as much on engagement over time. Um, and, and that really, that, so that was the second thing that just really, really jumped out at me as being interesting. Uh, can you talk more about that? Yeah, you can think in terms of three time frames. There's the immediate, um, and if we think in terms of, of university, um, mm-hmm. this could be, for example, taking a test or sitting and listening to a lecture. You know, it's your level of engagement in the moment. There's sort of an intermediate um, time frame, which could be taking an entire course. So it's not something you do in a single setting, but it plays out over a longer time. Mm-hmm. And then there's the continuous. You know, are you engaged in school? Are you engaged in your major? So if you're a college student, you're going to be there for four years. Are you totally engaged in the entire experience? Or are you only engaged in this one class, maybe because you just like the class or you like the professor? Right. Um, and you could say the same thing about other domains, too. You can think in terms of work. Am I engaged today in the task I'm doing? Is it more of an intermediate or is it a long term? Um, if you think in, in terms of marketing, you know, if someone comes into a store, are they engaged in the moment, just what they're going to buy in that moment? Are you thinking more intermediate? Are they kind of come in and do a whole shopping spree? Right. And long term, are you their go to place? Are you the place that they're just going to come to? Uh, you know, if you're a grocery store, are you the store that uh, consumers are going to want to go and do uh, most or all of their shopping? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it would seem, and this is, this is going to be a really obvious question, but it would seem that marketing tactics used to engage consumers in the short term would be different than those intended to engage um, them in the long term. And, and, and I realized that, you know, you didn't study this specifically, but, but I am interested in your thoughts on how marketers might succeed in engaging consumers over different time horizons. Any, uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think a lot of times it can be easy to get short-sighted and think, I'm only interested in the sale today. Mm-hmm. So person, if, you're, if you're a salesperson, the person comes in and you just want to sell that day. And sometimes you, you, know, you, you may use techniques that are effective, but you may wind up turning off the person in the long run. Yeah. Um, you know, they, you may sell them something knowing this isn't the perfect product for them. Um, and so they go home, they use it, they're not entirely happy. Um, uh, you can also take a much longer term strategy and think, what does it take to get this person not just to buy today, but to want to keep coming back over and over again? Um, one of the things about engagement is there's a lot of social aspects to it. And so engagement can come from relationships relationship with a teacher, with a supervisor, or with people who are in a company that the customer uh, contacts. So it could be in customer service, uh, could be tech support, depending on the product. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that, that trying to build the relationship with the, uh, with the customer and try to build a long-term relationship um, by, 
by serving the customer or or leaving the customer feeling that you're serving the customer goes a long way to building that continuous um, long-term uh, engagement. That, yeah, that's really interesting that there's this social um, social aspect to it. I, I worked for a company for many years where um, we took a an annual employee engagement survey. And one of the questions on it was, or wasn't a question, it was just a statement that you, you know, agreed to, to to some extent or not. Uh, and it was, I have a best friend at work. And according to the sponsors of this survey, they said that um, consistently they find the strongest correlation between that question and somebody's overall engagement. And um, and so, you know, as as management we would say, oh, well, you know, how do we action against this? We can't, like, assign people to be best friends. Um, we, we actually did try some things, but, you know, at the end of the day, we were kind of scratching our heads saying, you know, well, how do we understand this better and what do we do about it? Um, but so it's interesting that you're saying that, that mm-hmm. this social aspect is, uh, is, is quite important, um, regardless of, of, you know, where engagement is being measured. It makes sense um, that having friends at work mm-hmm. – um, it makes you happier at work, makes you want to go in there. Um, I think what a company can do um, is you may not be able to assign friends, but you may create situations in the workplace where it's okay to have friends. Mm. Oh, that's um, interesting. Sometimes companies think that if someone's chatting with a friend at work, it's wasting time. Mm-hmm. Um, it isn't necessarily wasting time. I can remember we had a secretary in our department once and she got yelled at because she was sitting there talking to another secretary. Mm. And what they were talking about was solving a work problem. <laughs> and one was helping the other. Wow. Um, but the, the supervisor felt they were just wasting time. Certainly in the extreme, it's wasting time. But um, companies can send the message, it's okay to take a break and talk to somebody. If you see two employees, obviously having a good time talking to each other, don't assume it's wasting time because it could be building relationships and those relationships can facilitate work. Now, if we take it into a marketing situation, the same, same things can, can occur. Um, if you greet your customer by name, when they walk into your restaurant or your store, um, you've built a relationship with them. It makes them feel good, and they're more likely to want to come back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, right. And, I mean, personalization is the name of the game today um, so that, you know, you as a consumer, you feel as though your company understands who you are, what your needs are uniquely from, you know, the next-door neighbor who has, uh, you know, something else being delivered to them in their mail or in their in their inbox um, you know, for their personalization message. And so, uh, you know, socialization doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, you know, Hey, let's make friends. There are other ways of, I think, um, uh, you know, sh- showcasing, you know, that, that people are unique and that they are, uh, uniquely understood and uniquely, aided, uh, uniquely communicated with. Yeah, absolutely. They need to feel that, um, they value you as a person beyond just that you're going to buy something from yes, them. Yes, 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 well, well said. So you hinted at this before, um, but I want to um, talk about it just a little bit more in depth. Does it matter what context we're referring to when it comes to engagement? Um, in other words, is, is engagement one thing when, say, a consumer interfaces with your marketing message in store and something else when they're navigating your website at home? 
or, or even to take it a big step, step further, um, when an employee is engaged with their work? Like, is, it, is, is engagement, mm-hmm. engagement, engagement, um, regardless of the context? Or do you have to think about it one way in one context and another way in another context? I think the general idea is pretty similar. There are the three components and there's the time uh, horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that aspect, I think engagement is engagement. If you think in terms of momentary engagement, whatever it is you're doing, you're totally engaged in it or you're not. So as we're doing this interview, um, we're engaged in this interview. We're not paying a lot of attention to what else is going on around us. Right. Um, so engagement is engagement, but there are some different features of engagement depending on the context. So if you think about a job versus uh, a product, um, you know your level of effective attachment is going to be a lot more to the job because it's a huge part of your life. Um, you're thinking about it all the time, um, and likely it's going to have a bigger impact, either positive or negative, on your life than, say, buying a product. But it doesn't mean that the same uh, underlying principle isn't there. It's just that the stakes may be uh, quite a bit lower. But, of course, it depends on the product. If you're buying a house, um, that house is going to have a huge impact on your life, uh, positive or negative perhaps. Um, if you're talking about going to the grocery store and buying, uh, you know, buying dinner, um, you know, the stakes are much lower even though the principle underlying the engagement aspects can be pretty much the same. Yeah, that's good. Um, Many of our listeners are inside professionals that may have responsibility for engagement in a variety of contexts, such as uh, customer satisfaction, uh, brand health or brand equity, uh, employee satisfaction and the like. You know, they may be called on to to measure uh, engagement in a variety of contexts. Does your definition and approach to measure apply all to these areas where engagement is involved? It, it sounds like yes, but, but said mm-hmm. differently, can they apply your measurement scale wherever they need to quantify mm-hmm. engagement? It would need to be modified. Our idea is to develop a generic scale, mm-hmm. but, uh, but the items do have to be, um, have to be modified to some extent. Uh, because you need to tell the person that's filling it out what context it is. Right. So the item might be while I watch this video or while I'm sitting in class or when I look at this uh, website or when I'm in a store, whatever the context is. Um, it needs to be uh, built in. But our idea is to come up with items that are easy to just change the context a little bit. Um, okay. The items would be the same, but you're just giving the person a different target. Okay, so you've got you know you've got the basic template of the, of the scale, and then you just kind of uh, modify as necessary to make it fit the context. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So with a uh, with a um, product um, like I'm sitting here at my laptop, you know, you could ask how how do I feel about the laptop? Do I like it? Do I not like it? Um, how engaging is it when I'm using it? Uh, do I get absorbed in in using it and forget about everything else? Or is it the sort of thing it's so difficult to use that it's a pain in the neck and I'm not getting engaged in this <laughs> cognitively because I'm just worried about I can't even get it to do anything. Right. And then finally, the behavior. Do you know when I have several computers? Is this the one I like to go to uh, to do work on, or do I hate it and just use it when it's absolutely necessary? Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, so so we now know that engagement is a three-legged stool: um, affective, behavioral, and cognitive dimensions. Uh, we know it has uh, a kind of a temporal um, 
aspect to it. Uh, it could be short term, it could be medium or long term, uh, and that it is uh, it, it is essentially the same. You can think of it the same way, regardless of context. Um, so, um, so let's talk about the measurement of engagement. You mm-hmm. developed a, a scale to measure it, one that accounts for uh, the, the three components, um, and and can be used in any context. Can you talk about the scale? And are there any considerations that listeners might want to think about should they choose mm-hmm. to adopt it? Yeah, we've uh, since that paper we've continued to work with it. In fact, we've been working with it, uh, you know, for the last couple of months, and we think we finally have a pretty good version of it. Um, we found that the effective is pretty easy to measure. You can ask people, you know, give them whatever target it is. You know, do you like your car? Do you like um, your computer? Mm-hmm. Um, the behavioral was not too difficult because it, it has to do with observable behaviors. So, you know, do you do you spend a lot of time with whatever it is? Um, the cognitive was more challenging because cognitive is internal to the person. You can't observe it. Um, even affective, you can probably watch somebody using something and sort of tell that they're enjoying it or not. Mm. But cognitive is totally in the head and it's difficult and people aren't always even aware or fully aware. Um, and so that was the most difficult for us to to come up with uh, yeah. items. Um, and a lot of it has to do really with when you're using something, um, when you're doing an activity, does it does it take all your mental concentration? Does it sort of totally absorb you? You know, can you do it and sort of forget about everything else? And if you have a if you have a product that uh, or, or your website is the sort that sort of draws people in that way. Um, it really is a big part of of building engagement. And so, um, yeah, I really want to encourage uh, folks to go to the paper and look at the exact scale. Um, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to restate the title of the paper. They can Google mm-hmm. Scholar it. Um, and it's the title is, What is Engagement and How Do We Measure It Toward a Domain-Independent Definition and Scale? And, and so this way they can go and they can see you know, how the questions are, are laid out. Um, you know, there's not a tremendous amount of questions. This is a fairly short list uh, that can be adopted and applied in different contexts. And, and I think you make it clear where, where kind of the context-dependent part of the questions are so that people can, you know, make, make the necessary modifications. Right, right. right. And, and one other thing is if people uh, want the latest version, they can contact us. And uh, and we can give them the latest version and their uh, and our latest research. Oh, awesome! So we'll we'll get that contact information um, uh, in in just a couple of minutes. Um, I but one of the things I wanted to ask about because I wasn't clear on this: how might users use the scale to measure short or medium um, or long term engagement? Is is it a matter of just when you ask the questions, or is it about which questions to ask? That can be built into instructions and also the structure of the question. Okay. So when you ask a question, uh, if the question asks, you know, how much you like something, you can be very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that, in the way you ask it, it will focus attention even either on the activity or on, uh, you know, on the time frame. Oh, okay. So, so if it's a student, you can say, um, you know, last Tuesday, did you, how much did you enjoy the lecture? You can ask them, how much do you enjoy this particular class or how much do you enjoy being a student in this university? Got it. Okay. So it's, it's about framing the question. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so um, so one other thing in your paper that I really liked uh, was the idea that you raised about opportunities for future research to correlate physiological measures of engagement uh, with things like eye tracking, EEG, GSR, and the like uh, with with the affective behavioral and cognitive engagement. Um, to your knowledge, is anyone working on that? Um, not that I know of. It it doesn't mean there aren't people out there doing it, but mm-hmm. I don't know of anything in particular. Yeah. But um, but one of the things that we were concerned with is trying to get away from only using uh, using a survey. Um, you know, behavior you can watch people, but these other things we were we were sort of thinking about. Are there other other ways of measuring that might give us some more insights. And so we're thinking, well, maybe we could see if it relates to physiological measures mm-hmm. or to eye tracking. Right. Now, eye tracking is being used, of course, in marketing where you can have ads on the screen and you can see where people's eyes tend to focus right. and what grabs their attention. And so we're thinking maybe that's something that could relate to engagement, mm-hmm. that if they're really engaged, you know, they tend to be focused on one particular thing and their eyes aren't all over the place. No, but I love that idea because I, these, um, you know, these, uh, I'll call them neuro techniques are becoming, you know, more and more, uh, mainstream. Um, and, and, and each of them talk about engagement and engagement is often, uh, kind of the, the key measure of, of, you know, success or failure with respect to a marketing stimuli, you know, am I engaging the consumer or not? And, and, you know, and then we measure that engagement through proxies of, you know, how and how long, um, you know, people v- visually engage with, with, with the stimuli or, or looking at their, uh, their galvanic skin response, um, and, you know, and things like that. And, 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 you know, and if they, if they're quote unquote engaged, then we see things go one way. And if they're not, then, then we don't. Um, but I, I personally don't feel comfortable that that's getting us as far as we need to, to really understand is my consumer engaged or not? So, so, mm-hmm. so I love that idea because it's often the combination of these traditional and neuro techniques that, um, that we need to get us all the way there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so lastly, and again, I realize this is beyond, beyond the scope of your paper. Um, and you'd be speculating, but, but if, if you were a marketer, uh, or a market researcher, how might you leverage what you now know about engagement? Um, you know, whether it's ways to engage consumers more effectively, uh, or incorporating your scale into questionnaires designed to measure engagement, or or something else. I think um, maybe start off with the with the ABCs mm-hmm. and think in terms of how do I get somebody to be effectively engaged, to like a product, to like the company, to like the brand. Um, how do I get them to be behaviorally engaged and cognitively engaged? Some of it might might be around um, how the product is designed, aesthetics, um, how does it feel to use it, mm-hmm. um, and some of it has to do with how it's marketed. I would pay a lot of attention to the social aspects. Um, mm. you know, that, that's one of the, the problems with online sales is that a lot of times people are only really interacting with a website and not with a person. And so I wonder if you can get as engaged uh, where the sales are entirely online as Mm -hmm. you would going into a store. Um, 
And so, but the social aspects, uh, as we talked before, in trying to build relationships with people, getting to know your customer, you know, being friendly to the customer, um, and treating the customer not just as a customer, but just as another person, um, to try to build that social connection and hopefully enhance uh, the person's engagement with your product or your company. Yeah, I think given all that you said, that makes a tremendous amount of sense and, and, and a good first step. Um, I think they may also want to consider making a um, kind of an engagement scorecard um, that that you know kind of forces the discipline of uh, thinking about engagement uh, comprehensively, you know, w- with the ABCs and not just uh, one of those dimensions or, or, or two of them, but thinking if I want if I want fully engaged consumers, you know, or employees or what have you, um, you know, then let me make sure that I'm measuring all three and and let me uh, create a scorecard that I can. Um, you know, update my measurements over time and make sure that the needle's moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we talked about the things that that I wanted to talk about uh, toward your paper, and the things that really jumped out to me as being fascinating. Uh, again, as as uh, as especially being relevant to this audience. Is there anything else uh, from your paper that we didn't discuss, but maybe should have? Um, I don't think so. I think you you did a really good job of covering the major points. Well, your paper did a really good job of making the, the, the major points salient. <laughs> so, that, so that made my job easy for sure. Um, awesome. Well, well, Paul, so let's, let's now get to how people can, can learn more about this research and, and the yeah. updates to it. Um, you know, if they're interested in checking out some of maybe even your other work, what's, what's the base, mm-hmm. best way for people to reach you? Uh, the best way is to email me. Okay. Do you want me to give the email? Yeah, please. Pspector at usf.edu. Terrific. And, and by doing that, they can get not only a copy of the paper, although, again, they can get that on Google Scholar if they want it immediately. Um, and then they also can learn you know, what's happened since publishing this paper, which, by the way, didn't this come out in um, – it was 2018, but I don't remember exactly when in 2018. I thought it was the fall. Yeah, to a, yes, I think so. Okay. I think it was the fall. Um, so there's been a few months since then um, where you – Right. You and it. we've actually done a lot of work with, with this since, uh, especially this fall. Great. We've run several studies, and so uh, so we've really refined it, um, and we're continuing on with uh, with a whole series of studies. And so, if people contact me, they can they can get the latest uh, that we've got going on, or contact one of my co-authors. Well, well, thanks for for giving people that invitation. I'm, I'm certainly going to keep in touch because I'm I'm really interested in how this develops over time, because um, I know I want to incorporate it into my into my survey work. Um, well, thanks, Paul. This has really been great. I've, I've enjoyed speaking with you. Um, thanks for taking the time to speak with us about engagement. Can I mention one other thing? Oh, absolutely. I, I don't know if you want to include this, but if people want to know more about my research, uh, they can check out my website, paulspector.com. Oh, thank you for mentioning, mentioning that. Yes, that'll certainly help people understand um, in writing to you what they should ask for, <laughs> other, other than just the updates on this. Terrific. Well, uh, well, with that, we'll bring this to a close. And, uh, and again, I thank you so much for, for taking the time to speak with us. This has been a really, really interesting conversation and uh, based on a really, really interesting paper. So thanks to you and your co-authors. And thank you for having me. It was a very engaging interview. <laughs> Terrific, Paul. Thank you, too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I'd like to give a special thanks to Decision Breakers for making today's episode possible. We'll see you next time on Shoppernomics.